Well, the thing for me with sober and, and saying you're sober is a state. Right? So even when I was drinking, oh, there sure. were times when I was sober and there were times when I was drunk and there was times in between where I was buzzed. So this doesn't go far enough for me. And even alcohol free, it's almost like a, it's almost like calling a used car previously owned, right? It's still better, better language, but I, I really prefer free from alcohol because that, that says what I am. I am free from alcohol. I look at alcohol as the thing that has a grasp on so many people and it had mm-hmm. it on me and I'm free from that. So that's my mind. The way. Hello out there. One affirmation that I like to do every day when I wake up is I like to create ways to make me happy. I don't depend on other people to create my happiness. I go out in the world and create my own happiness. So I say to you, go create some happiness. Sobriety is scary. That's why Untapped Keg explores different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you know you are not alone. Hopefully, you can find something you can implement into your own life. Sobriety and mental health are topics that often are uncomfortable and complex. We do not shy away from any conversation. But you should know we try to be respectful. But there's always room to learn and grow. Everyone is welcome here, as you are, and you will be respected. We are not medical professionals and do not give medical advice. Please seek medical care if you need it. Now let's get to the show. Hey, you. Thanks for tapping in into some Untapped Keg, podcast where we talk about the different perspectives of sobriety and mental health, where we hope you can take something and implement it into your own life. Here, we believe there's only one right way for you to go alcohol-free, and that is the way that works for you. I'm RJ Zimmerman, and if you don't know, go to untappedkeg.com slash community, and you can anonymously leave an affirmation or a mantra that will be featured at the beginning of each show. Uh, So many of you have already done it, and it's a community that's off of social media, and really what it's predicated on is growth. So if you go there... And you don't even have to sign up, but you can just interact and I would really appreciate it. Also, if you don't know, Untapped Cake is now endorsing coaching programs. And our very first one is Jake Yoder from Natural Highs Coaching. If you're interested in mentorship for getting sober and thriving in sobriety, book a free call with Jake Yoder, founder of the Natural Highs Coaching Program, which uses mindfulness and holistic health to help you cultivate inner peace and find purpose in your sober life. Jake has been on a recovery and spiritual growth journey for nine years and has helped hundreds of people all over the world with mindset, lifestyle shifts to reach new levels of well-being in sobriety. On the call, Jake will help you explore the root causes of the suffering that led to addiction and provide you insights and resources to help you feel great, help you feel great naturally in sober life. So check the link below, check out Jake. Jake is one of those people who's there for you. And if it's not going to be a good fit, he's not just going to take your money and run. Like he's going to try to get you with someone who you would be a better fit for. And along those lines, I'm very excited today to be joined by my good friend, Rich Galdieri. How are you doing, Rich? Good. How are you? Good. Did I get it somewhat right? I guess I just realized as I was about to say that, I've never said your last name. (laughs) You got it. You got it very right. It's been a lot worse than that. That's good enough. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. So a little backstory, like we met in our coaching certification program and uh, through this naked mind. And it's, you know, as we just hit it off like right away. I think, you you know, you saw my sarcasm in the chat. I saw your sarcasm in the chat. We're like, we're best friends. Let's That's do it. it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, how are you, Rich? How are things going? And uh, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what led you to the alcohol free life? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me today. Really appreciate it. And uh, happy new year. It's new year's day. And it uh, feels great to be not hung over on my third uh, sober new year's. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, thanks. You, you got a few more than me, but, uh, it's not a race, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm 52 and I'd been drinking. I think I started drinking around like, I don't want to say seriously, but drinking, drinking, not like stealing a sip here and there around 16. So, I mean, it was, it was a lot of years. Um, and I, I had, I had wanted to stop drinking. I, I think I probably jokingly, maybe half jokingly on my 21st birthday said, okay, I got to really cut back on this alcohol stuff. You know, I mean, it got to that point where, uh, throughout high school and college, it was, you know, was, was a pretty typical, um, unfortunately, a pretty typical drinking habit that I had formed. <clears throat> but, um, I, I did look back at some point in time in a, at a, um, a journal entry that I made. I don't even journal that much. So I, I pulled this thing out and it was like a 10 year old journal entry. And one of the, one of the, things that I mentioned in there was wanting to quit drinking. And uh, so it, it took even 10 to 15 years from that realization to actually write it down. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of not so great stuff in between, but, but thankfully nothing too tragic. Um, I know a lot of people have, uh, have some moments and, and some incidents that, that are pretty, pretty bad related to alcohol. I thankfully avoided some of the major stuff, but it, it certainly was a problem. And, uh, I had a friend that just, he recommended a book and, and I was, you know, I, like I said, I had been wanting to quit, but really not able to do it and never really gave it a try. And, uh, he recommended this book by Annie Grace and he's like this naked mind. I'm like, what this naked mind? That's weird. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, okay. you know, if, if a book has got a shot of giving me, you know, even the slightest bit of self-improvement, I'm, I'm down, I'll try, try it. And uh, I got about halfway through that book and was completely done with alcohol and have never had a sip and never looked back from that point and, and really have had no desires is the biggest piece. It was not a struggle really in the sense that I wasn't, you know, dying for that drink, but I'm not going to have it. Um, and it, I, I, it's a true testament to Annie's method of breaking down alcohol on the scientific level and on the mental level and getting you to see it for what it really is. And once you do that and you sort of see behind that curtain, at least for me, it was, it was, it was instantaneous. I was just like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm done. And there's been, you know, I, I got a little nervous. The, the biggest sort of, I guess, I don't want to say nervous, nervousness or, or hesitation around it was the social, right? Like, how am I going to go out to these functions? And, yeah. and even, even that was, which, you know, we could we do a whole show on that. But even that was, um, was easy. So, I, I mean, I feel... It's just crazy. I feel so lucky. <laughs> it was pretty easy. And then, so I, I it was... I loved it so much. And I was like, this is such an amazing way of doing things that I, I was emailing Annie, which, you know, of course you're probably not, not seeing it, but I'm like, if you have, you know, if you need help with coaches, cause I saw she had some coaches online, like I would love to coach. I'd love to help anybody through this. And I was in the community and, and posting here and there. And then, uh, one day I got an email and Hey, we're, we're doing, you know, a coaching, uh, training. 
are you interested? And it was starting in like two or three days. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't really understand what it was all about. And, um, as you know, from, from our talking, I, there was a lot of hesitation there with me. <laughs> um, I jumped in and I knew there was like a, a time period that I could, I could bail back out, but yeah. um, I just kept with it and said, you know, it just felt so right. Um, in so many different ways that stuck with it and so glad that I, I have, and, uh, can't wait to get there. Um, still in training. So don't, don't have the, the certificate yet and don't have, you know, the whole business set up, but, uh, very excited to get started on that. That's something that has been, I think, amazing for me as well is just jumping in with both feet and being like, this is like, you just have that feeling in your heart. Like, this is what I was meant to kind of help people with to do. Yeah, And it's so freeing and being around people who have that same, you know, reflection back to you. And yeah, it's moving from that you know, fear of not, not even just not knowing, but like not understanding there's another way, like you said, with like social situations too. And all of a sudden you start to realize, well, nobody really cares what I'm drinking or I'm not drinking. Like they're just there being themselves. So that helps to get through it too. When you realize, Oh, people just care what they're doing. They don't really care about me. Um, And that's totally been the case. What was the first event that you went to where you didn't drink? Was it like a business event or was it like a sports event? Do you remember? It was, uh, no, it would have been social. I, I, uh, I work from home. I'm pretty solo on that. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of work interaction. I'm trying to think. I know the first one that really stuck out in my mind. I went to play golf. <laughs> so funny. And uh, I was just playing nine holes. So, you know, short half round. and. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that I was playing with, I got paired up with him. I didn't know him. And he, he had, you know, there's all kinds of mechanisms and gadgets to carry around your alcohol out on the golf course. Right. I mean, there's a major problem out there, but so this guy had this like weird sleeve that held a 12 pack of beer and he, and he offered me one. And I said, no, I don't drink. Then I know I don't want one. I said, no, I don't drink. Cause I wanted to, I just wanted to say it, you know, I'm like, I don't care. Yep. Uh, especially I don't even know this guy. And he's like, what do you mean you don't drink? Like, you're not, you know, you're not drinking today. He's like asking me questions. I'm like, no, I just don't drink. I just don't want it. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh man, I forget the way he's phrased it. He said something to the effect of, oh, so you must be an alcoholic. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so you brought the 12 pack to the two hour <laughs> after golf and I'm not drinking, but I'm the alcoholic. I thought that was really funny. And from that point forward, I think I was just kind of like, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to be concerned with what people that drink think no matter how close to me they are or not. I, and, and not from a judgment standpoint, because listen, I, you know, how long did I drink? Right. And I would have probably thought the same thing, right. Because when you come to the other side of this, this addiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and you can see all this stuff and, and you can see how ingrained it is in society. You really understand, um, why people are there. Right. And, and you have to be able to, to deal with that. I, I think that the best analogy is when you, I was watching, I have teenage kids and we were like, Oh, let's watch this, you know, eighties movie. And we're watching this eighties movie and there's all kinds of like sex stuff and drug stuff. And that we forgot about. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God. you start seeing it through their eyes a little bit. And so when you become sober, but you used to drink, you can see it through their eyes. And, uh, 
you know, so I, I certainly doesn't make me mad in any way, shape or form, but um, it's also nice to be like, wow, I used to see things that way and know that I don't anymore. So in a way, I, I almost relish the ability and then the chance and the opportunity to say to someone, no, I don't drink. I get to see how they're, how they're seeing alcohol through their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had similar experiences like at work functions, like, Oh yeah, I don't drink. And you know, it's the same kind of reaction, but then it's like, you know, either I can explain it or I could be like, nah, I just, I'm not going to. And then, um, yeah, just like how people interact with you after that. A lot of times is completely normal, but sometimes because you're reflecting, people get a little bit nervous. Right. Um, and it's, it's interesting, but like you said, showing that compassion and the way that I like to explain, like, especially when you first start, you know, being alcohol free, like that effect on your mind that you're like lifting kind of like the clouds and the fog is the screen door effect, which is similar to what you were talking about with like the eighties movies and the references, but the jump from standard definition to high definition to 4k, like you had like that screen door in front so you can see things and it looks fine. You can make things out and you're like, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, you're a little bit jaded. You're like, Oh, people don't really find like this little thing beautiful. They just say it. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden you stop drinking and you start to see things a little bit more clear. Things are starting to come in, you know, and you're, you appreciate the time you have instead of just waiting to get to a time where you can have that drink or, you know, waiting to be with your friends out and you really do appreciate everything that's out there. And it's, it just, everything's way more crystal clear. Everything is like, I really am grateful for where I'm at right now. And, you know, that's kind of similar to how it's been for me, like (laughs) re-experiencing my emotions and everything is something similar with life, but you just, you appreciate things in a different way than you did before when you were drinking and that's, mm-hmm. it's important to realize that and then have that compassion for other people. Yeah. You were there too. And if you have the compassion for other people, you can have that compassion for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to extend on that, just ha- now that you s- can see it clearly, and this is what I think drove us both to the coaching. It's, it's so exciting and it, it's so incredible you just want to share it with as many people that, that want to come. Right. And and I think what you said about the reflecting, I think the people that react the harshest and the most sort of angry about you're not drinking are probably the ones that really want to be done. Um, and they're just mad that you did it and they don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that completely on some, on some level. And um, so, yeah, it, it's just, it is amazing being over here. And, and I think for me, the biggest switch was, with the coaching anyway, was this, this change from, I've had a lot of businesses. I've had like multiple careers in my career. I've, I've changed a lot of times. Um, what I've done in school, what I've done out of school. And, um, I, I never really felt like I had that. It was always about money and it was always about getting a job that was going to pay best. And, and, you know, um, and that's okay. I mean, I've, you know, I've done well and I appreciate all that, but, when I decided to, to do the coaching and then, and, and what kept driving me was knowing that this was the first thing that I really wanted to do. And I didn't care what the money was. I don't care what comes of coaching financially. Um, it's just something I really wanted to do. And so, you know, a lot of times that's, that's where the most success comes from financially. 
And, and even if it doesn't, I don't care because I think there's more to success than just the financial piece. Um, but, but that's, uh, that's a big change for me. And, and none of it would ever have happened if I hadn't, you know, gotten it, held Annie's book and, and gotten free of alcohol. I don't want to say sober. I like free of alcohol, free from alcohol. Yeah. And I get that too, because I didn't think about it. It's, it's one of those things where you don't think about the words you use because you use them so often. So like, I honestly didn't even call myself uh, an alcoholic or sober till three years ago when we started the podcast. And it was like half, you know, half a year into the podcast before I said alcoholic or um, I started saying sober, but it was like, I don't know. That was a, for me, it was like a weight lifted, like, cause I admitted that yes, like I can't drink, but at the same time, like being alcohol free, saying that instead of sober, like saying sober, the stigma behind the word kind of feels limiting. Like you're limited and alcohol right. free is like, I just don't do that. Right. right. I do everything. I can do every, anything I want. The only yeah. limits to my life is my imagination now. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the free that's there. And like you said, free from alcohol, because there's a lot of drinks that you can have that don't have alcohol in it. And guess what? Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of them are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the thing for me with sober and, and saying you're sober is a state. Right? So even when I was drinking, oh, there sure. were times when I was sober and there were times when I was drunk and there was times in between where I was buzzed. So this doesn't go far enough for me. And even alcohol free, it's almost like a, almost like calling a used car previously owned, right? It's still better, better language, but I, I really prefer free from alcohol because that, that says what I am. I am free from alcohol. I look at alcohol as the thing that has a grasp on so many people and it had mm -hmm. it on me and I'm free from that. So that's my mind, the way, the way my mind works on it. But I, I really like that, um, that visual imagery of that phrase. And yes, getting back to the words, like the words we use, the images we see, I mean, now everywhere, and I'm sure you know this and have been seeing it, but you just start noticing everywhere that alcohol is inserted into the advertising, into the video, into the kids' movies. Um, it's just crazy how ingrained it gets, it's in society. And I never, ever noticed it. Um, and you never notice the words. <clears throat> and you never notice the images until, again, you step, you take that screen off or step to the other side and you're like, well, it's everywhere. It's frightening. Yeah. I, and it like how much it really is like, Oh, this is what you have to look forward to as an adult. Just mm -hmm. this is where all the best things in your life are going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. And yeah. you want to hear a crazy one. Yeah. I want to say I was maybe a freshman in high school, maybe younger. And I had an older cousin. I'm an only child. He was like my brother and uh, still is to this day. And he was gung-ho for alcohol, man. He wanted to get to high school, get to college, and just party his ass off. And so, of course, you know, that's whatever he did was the coolest thing in the world, right? Like the Yankees, I like the Yankees. I don't know anything about baseball. Hmm. So um, I had a set of Budweiser sheets on my bed <laughs> as a kid, like, you know, a good five to seven years away from legal drinking age. And yep. <laughs> I had Budweiser and I'm like, I said to my mom, like, how the hell did you let me have these things? She's like, I don't really know. She's like, Mike had them and uh, we just got them. And it's like, man, you know, those things, I mean, now obviously that wouldn't fly in today's day and age, but <laughs> I don't think they sell. I don't even think they sell them, but it was like, I thought back to that the other day, I was just talking to him about that stuff and I'm like, oh my God, man, like 
it was, there was, there was almost no escaping it, you know? Yeah. I went to t-shirts all over, like growing yeah. up in Wisconsin, like everybody had a, an alcohol t-shirt and like, you know, that, I mean, shit, you could drink with your parents at any age in Wisconsin. So like that it was, it is the culture there, like, yeah. you know, in a, in a deep, deep way that you can't escape from. And yeah, like that, that same thing, like you look at it and you're like, why did I think that was cool? Like the Budweiser frogs. Right. And like, uh, waza, like that, you know, that, that was all, that was what we did all the time as kids. Like, you know, you just, you yeah. resonated with, uh, the commercials, the alcohol commercials on TV yeah. and it, it is different now. And this is kind of similar. And I think, you know, I've talked about it with like the, the tobacco industry and like Joe Camel and all that kind of stuff. Like, and now that's not allowed. And, we're headed towards the track that more than likely alcohol is going to be falling under the same thing. Eventually, eventually it's just a matter of time. Maybe we can speed it up a little bit, but um, and that would be, that would be phenomenal uh, for the world <laughs> for all. It you really would. Yeah. Instead of, you know, hiding behind alcohol for your feelings and emotions, like actually being able to talk about them with another human being, right. Not building up those resentments. So it's just an anger cycle. Like that's, that is really what I envision for my kids that like, I want to try to help them with is not get into that anger cycle that I was in mm. as a kid. And then I found my way out, um, eventually, but for a little while was through alcohol. That's what I was doing with it. That uh, sometimes I ended up being an angry drunk and, you know, you wake up and you're like, yeah, who do I have to apologize to today? And done with yeah. that stuff. Yeah. That's never fun. Um, so when it comes to coaching and, um, you know, helping other people, what's your, do you have any background with coaching, um, outside of, you know, alcohol free and life coaching through this naked mind? Um, well, I have three kids, so I think there's, there's a level of that involved in, in raising kids. You, you try and at least I, I try and come from, come at it from more of a, a coach player, if you will, relationship with my kids, as opposed to the iron fist, like you must do this. I mean, there's, you know, a little bit more, uh, I, I try to be a little softer and a little more subtle with that. And, you know, they may disagree and <laughs> not think I'm doing a great job of it, but, um, beyond that, I, I did some assistant coaching in sports growing up. Um, I played, I played a lot of organized sports. So, I mean, I have, you know, experience with, with coach player type relationships, but no, nothing, um, nothing like that. I mean, I manage some people, I guess that's a form of coaching. Um, you know, I basically the same kind of tactic or, or mentality and, and, um, process with, with the people I manage, um, kind of letting that uh, my process and, and my way of doing that is to let them come to it, or at least try to get them to it and try and put it out there and, 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 uh, and let them, let them do the right thing. Right. I think if you give people the space to do the right thing and you give them plant some ideas and thoughts and, and help them get there on their own, it's much more lasting than um, just saying, Hey, you know, you can't drink anymore. You got to stop or you got to be in at this time or, you, you know, whatever the case may be. So absolutely. And, and you know, my son, he's a freshman in college and uh, he said the other day, I mean, he, you know, he drinks every now and again, which is, is weird for me in, in some ways. And I'm, you know, again, I try and remember like, okay, when I was a freshman, I didn't want to tell you what I was doing. So, um, but he's not, he's not like a party animal. He's, he doesn't, 
really want to do that. He's like, yeah, sometimes I'll go to a party and there's some drinks. I'll have one or two, but I don't like to lose control. And he's like, and I don't really want to do that. I, you know, I'm there to get an education and like things that I'm just like, is he really saying that? Is that, <laughs> is, he, is he telling me what I want to hear? But right. he is. It's just amazing to see. Um, and so uh, I forget I was going with that. Oh, but so last night was New Year's Eve and uh, he went to two or three parties and he didn't have any drinks, drove himself home and, and stayed sober on New Year's Eve and was like not bummed about it, not missing it in any way, shape or form. So I just, I just wanted to shout out that that was, uh, that was amazing for me. It was really cool to see that, you know, I was not looking forward to being like, I got a bunch of buddies that have kids in college and it's, you know, they're just, they're doing what I did. They're getting, they're getting blotto night after night. You know? mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It, it, it's nice to, to not have that. That's, that's really awesome. Especially, you know, for me, I have such young kids to, I kind of approach it the same way where I try and coach and not, and allow for space for growth. And then sometimes it is, nope, we have to do this. But, right. you know, you saying how you managed people, and this is kind of similar to how you manage people. Like that's how, you know, I was a foreman for a crew for a couple of years. And that's how I approached doing that as well. Like, I don't care if you're five minutes late, just get here safe. Right. I don't care if you're 30 minutes late, but when you're here, you're here. And we're going to do that. And then when I, teach somebody, I teach them until they grasp it. I don't just teach them once and say, now you can go. It's like, no, I want to show you so I can trust that you're going to go and do this. And I don't have to watch over your shoulder. And that makes my job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. And the whole teach a man to fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that concept is lost, um, on a lot of people, especially like you said, with, the alcohol and things like that is like, no, you can't, no, don't. And when you fall into that, you just create some resentment and some honestly like, Oh yeah, well, I'm going to show you, I can do it and I'm going to do it better than you did that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, we don't want that at all. So I really, I, I love how you, you know, equated those two and put the two and two together. That's, that's really fantastic. Yeah. It was the same with the, with the management I had, uh, we, we had a, a, we did custom printed, uh, food service items. <clears throat> so that was a daily delivery six days a week. And, uh, you know, that, that had to go out the door. So we had a lot of stuff coming in that had to be sorted and, and set aside for each customer because it was custom. So you had to really, you know, it wasn't just like put a stack of a certain thing here. It was for each individual customer had their own. So, so it was a lot of work anyway. And um, one of the guys came to me and he's like, you know, I, you're all right if I come in, you know, go home and early and come in at like four in the morning or two and though he wanted to come in some crazy hours. And I said, uh, what time do the boxes have to go out the door? He's like seven. I'm like, if the box is out the door at seven, I don't care when you get, it. here's the key. <laughs> you do your job. I don't really don't care. Yeah. And uh, that guy worked like, I mean, the best worker I've ever had in my life because he knew he had some control over it. And I mean, people are people, right. And you don't want to, if you just manage someone, you know, with the iron fist, they're going to resent you. They're going to not want to come to work. They're going to be terrible employees. They're going to do everything they can to not work. You tell the guy, you can come here. I was like, you want to sleep here, man? We'll get you a couch. I'm like, whatever you want to do. And uh, I mean, to this day, he, he every holiday he texts me and we, we still talk. I mean, he loved it. He loved working there. So, um, and, and I'll tell you, to love working there, to, 
it was a horrible job. So I think the only reason he loved working there was that he felt like he had some autonomy. So I think that's big. And that, and you know, part of Andy's thing was that pause in the beginning. That was it's just so genius. Because if you say like, all right, you're gonna go through this process, but you can't have a drink during it. You had that stress. You had that like, who the hell are you to tell me? You know, you had so many different layers of of negativity. I guess that it uh, it just makes it hard to do. And that the pause where you can say, all right, while I'm learning this, I'm just not going to change anything else. Um, and, and just opens you up and frees you. I think that's so powerful. And yeah, I mean, it is it is super. You give people ownership over whatever it is and you will be surprised at how they react and show up and are reliable like you know the most growth that i've done this year personally started after i came to like realization with myself that it's okay to be wrong like i don't have to be right about life about emotions about any of this because i don't i don't know and i'm making it up and i'm just digging my heels in and saying no i'm right so if i'm willing to be wrong and that was the same with that when i was a foreman like i allowed them to prove me wrong okay we'll do it your way okay you're right i didn't i didn't think about that and like so people had ownership over everything going on and i took ownership over i'm allowing myself to be wrong so i can learn like that's the same that, you know, like with that pause and like with the, um, any growth, really, when you allow yourself to be wrong, you don't have that pressure that comes with having to be right. right. And that's important growth that we don't often think about. And I like how you, you know, how you said that because it's so true. Yeah. Um, a special guest, right. He, he <laughs> likes to show up every once in a while. So <laughs> that's awesome. How's, uh, how do you feel with the, you know, we've done some practice coaching sessions and you've worked, you've helped me work through some pretty tough stuff, stuff that I've talked about on the podcast before, like, uh, my divorce and like, you know, staying present and grounded. Like that's really where I'm starting to make some headway, but somewhat still struggle every once in a while to kind of interrupt that cycle in my head. Um, how do you feel with that process? Do you think it's starting to come somewhat naturally or do you think like it's something that uh, you need to practice quite a bit more to really get a hold of? I think I feel really comfortable with, because it's such a logical process, right? It's, it's take that thought or belief, examine it. Is it true? Is it true for you? Is it, you know, is it, is it really, really true? And to keep examining that and then to come up with, some sort of turnaround. Um, I do that a lot and I've done that a lot in my life. Um, so it just seems kind of natural. I think, you know, the, the one thing I probably don't do yet as well as I, pro- as I could, and that I think will get better with practice and with time is sort of sticking to that approach. You know, so I can, I can sort of go tangential and, and, and get off the beaten path sometimes. So I think it's good to have that framework to just, just keep it there. Um, but no, I, I, I feel pretty comfortable with it again. I'm not going to say I'm a pro still in training, but yeah, I think, yeah. I think practice, practice is the key. Um, you've helped me as well. I, I think we are both in that same spot where it makes perfect sense. You know, we make it conversational. Um, and I, I think the biggest piece 
that any of us need to do, and, and this is probably everybody in the world, is to just listen better. And so mm. that's the thing that I've been trying to do with with family and with coaching and, and just with my life in general is to just listen a little better and not try and jump right in with that with that answer and like, you know, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? And that's a, you know, that's that's a rabbit or a hamster wheel you gotta fight, or at least I do. Well, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I love, yeah, you get like, you're bringing all these points. It's like perfect because <laughs> I think you and I have that same thing. Like we can help someone fix it. Right. Ooh, I can help you fix. Ooh, yeah. I know what I can do to help fix. <laughs> but like you said, with that listening, like people don't necessarily want to be fixed. Right. They just want support. Yeah. They want connection. They want someone to be there for them. And yeah. so like when you're listening and you're truly listening and you're listening to connect and not listening to respond or jump in with the fix. Like people will walk themselves to the answer if they're allowed to. Yeah. So trying to keep that down that, Oh, I know the answer to that, or I do this and it, it works. And I promise you it will help you. But like understanding yeah. that not everybody, you know, will respond the same way to, you know, same kind of, um, not just same, same stimulus, but same answers. Like that just doesn't necessarily work. Metaphors, sometimes they connect with people one way and they hear it a different way. It just doesn't make any sense, but then somebody else will connect with that one. So yeah, yeah that listening, man, like 100%. and not wanting to jump in and fix, that's been huge. So mm -hmm. I know you read the book too. And I, like, it's been so huge. I talk about it all the time. Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Mm -hmm. Listening about how to support. Mm -hmm rather than trying to fix. And the reason that you try to fix is because you're feeling uncomfortable with your own emotions. So you want somebody to, and as a parent, like how much that's helped me to be able to sit there with my kids and help them understand that it's okay to feel that emotion and it's things to get through, but then they get through and they're laughing. Like, and yeah. that's the key. Like if you shove it down, you're not going to be laughing. But if you let it come up, eventually you will be. And you work through the the old stuff that's coming through, but oh, that's that's so good. And along those lines, like with the the listening and the fixing, what kind of helps you to just sit there? Is there something that you do that? I think. Um, well, first of all, my you know the, the whole fixing thing. It's funny you say that because as you were saying that, I'm like, I think my wife has said that like that phrase verbatim to me like a couple of times <laughs> you're not you're listening to fix i'm the fixer guy so but i mean that's what we're raised to do as men though too right yeah, like it and it it's what we've seen and yeah. it's not just men that have this too there's women that have it but like that's i i really understand exactly what you're saying yeah so uh but what helps me i think is putting on like that coaching hat and almost you know, trying to play that part, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. I think if it's, you know, just, just me in the moment and I'm not thinking that way, I, I go right to fix it. Right. And then I have to say, okay, step back, chill out, you know, I, and then I try and in my mind and try, instead of trying to think what I've been doing is, is instead of trying to think of what my response is and what I can say, I'm looking for something else to find another question I can ask. So to be a little bit more on the Socratic side of things, like, okay, they said that, what can I ask to make them answer themselves with what I want them to say, as opposed to say the thing that I, I know is the fix, or at least I think is the fix, or I think can help. What, what question can I ask for them to 
say that to themselves because then that aha moment it, for them, it's, it's solidified, right? If I say it, the instinct, especially if the emotions are high, is to argue it, no matter how logical or right the point may be. It's, it's no, no, no. Everything's, you know, uh, I have two daughters and, um, and, and my son. And I think that I've been just could be people, but <laughs> for my small sample size, my two daughters are even more so that way. <laughs> I don't want to say, make it a, a general statement, but, um, with them, especially, I, I have to like slow it down and say, okay, can I ask a question that'll help? And I, I certainly, I, I don't do it all the time. <laughs> it's still right. Well, I mean, that's, that's the key too, is admitting like, oh, I'm not perfect. Right. It's not about, oh. it's not about being perfect. It's about doing things more intentional and better and breaking cycles. Because that's the thing is you don't realize you are in a cycle until you're in the cycle. Like if you could stop yourself from being in the cycle, you wouldn't be there. Right. So understanding that. Yeah. Yeah. I am back at this, you know, bad habit. If you want to say that, or uh, I'm back in this, what I'm trying to change and being like, well, I can still change it right now, even though I'm entering into that. And I love how you said, listening to ask a question because that's that's been huge and um i listen to simon sinek a lot yeah yeah yeah. and i in one of his recent podcasts he said i used to fight to be right and now i fight for resolution Mm. right he Mm. wants to resolve the conflict come to a compromise or an understanding rather than his point being right and the only right and it's like, I heard that and I was like, dang, like, that's what, that, those are like the words that I've been looking for. And like si- Simon Sinek, if you don't know who he is, like, look him up. He's incredible when he talks about leadership. Like he's up there with Brene Brown and so many others. Like the way that he sees the world is so similar to what we're talking about right here, to what Annie talks about in this naked mind. And like, there's so many people that are talking about this now. And it's not just, I'm going to, you know, put my head down and ram through the world. And that's crappy. And that creates a society that nobody wants to be in. And that's where you have alcohol running rampant. And not just that, but other places to escape. That's what we're doing in life a lot of the time is, especially when we're pouring all of our time into one thing, we're looking to escape. And you miss the birds chirping in the morning. You miss the waves crashing on the beach and the flowers blooming in October because you didn't realize there were flowers that bloomed in October, right? There's so much more that we can experience if we're willing to take a deep breath and listen and experience and be there. And yeah, that's kind of, my long-winded way of getting around to uh, (laughs) what's so great about not thinking about how am I going to get to this next drink or how am I going to avoid wanting that next drink or, you know, just like showing, showing up being you. That's great to have. It's great if you have kids to be able to look through, through their eyes, right? They're not drinking and they're, as happy and blissful as any human <laughs> a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is uh, for me when I see them and I'm like, well, you know, look at how much fun they're having. And you, you can remember a time when you had that much fun without the drinking. And then you, somehow or another, you get to a point in your life where you just don't 
don't know how to have fun without it. Um, everything you do, everywhere you go, it's, it's around alcohol. I mean, if you think about what a party is, it's going to a certain person's house or a certain bar to drink alcohol. Yep. That is the definition <laughs> of, of a lot of parties. I mean, certainly some may have a theme, but it's just a theme around, you know, wear a stupid sweater and drink <laughs> or come, you know, eat cheese and drink. I've been to a cheese party. Um, that sounds like an amazing yeah. party. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm going to be throwing a cheese party. Very smelly. Yeah. It's, it's better without alcohol, but, um, so yeah, that it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see that through, through the kids eyes and to remember that there's so much out there, um, that, that doesn't need alcohol. And it's, that reminds me of something I was thinking about the other day. And I, I've said this for a long time, but I was reminded of it for whatever reason. And, you know, people talk about marijuana as like the gateway drug, right? It's, it's the drug that leads to all these other drugs. And I, and I said this to my kids the other day, um, Alcohol is the gateway drug yep. because it's legal, because it's so ingrained in our society, because you have one drink and your judgment is immediately clouded, which leads you to the second drink and the third drink. And now you're supposed to remember not to drive. You're supposed to remember not to do this. You're supposed to remember not that you don't smoke weed or that you don't do this drug or that drug or go to bed with that person. Right. And it's just <clears throat> it's a it's a self-fulfilling catastrophe. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, it is. It is the the gateway drug. and so. Um, you know, we're here in Colorado and they're legalizing marijuana. And I, I, I don't see how that's a positive thing. I know there's a lot, there are a lot of positive aspects to it. Um, but I, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into that whole thing, but, um, actually, if you want to, uh, I have a case study, uh, (laughs) that I wanted to bring up right now that, um, I think I've been wanting to talk to you about it specifically, uh, or maybe not just you, but like other people, like, so, one of like the most um, addicted societies was Portugal, like Portugal. And I, I heard this on tick on a TikTok. It was a TED talk, and there was a, a really long form TikTok video about it. Like maybe it was like six or seven minutes, but um, they were talking about how when it comes to addiction and you know even crime, even it doesn't matter what it is. What do we do as a society? We take them. We disconnect them from society. We disconnect them from the people they love. We disconnect them from everyone. And we say, you have to do better. And this is why. And that's it, right? You can't do that. How dare you? What do those people really look for? When is it that we do desperate things? It's when we're disconnected. When we Mm -hmm. feel connected, we're Mm going to try our hardest to do what's right. We're going to try our hardest to do things that would impact the people we care about the most better. So Portugal had this incredibly difficult drug problem and they didn't know what to do. They cracked down year after year after year. And I want to say it was back in like 2015. I could get the years wrong, but look up like Portugal drug reform. What they did is they legalized everything. They legalized all of it. And then they made state sponsored programs so that if you ha- if you needed someone, they could be picked up. But instead of being taken and disconnected, they brought everybody who cared about them around and connected them again with society. Mm-hmm. With you know, they made parks that were beautiful. They you know be- they made it easier to get around transportation wise. They they brought some connection back to people instead of this disconnection, and they made it a world that you want to exist in, mm-hmm. and it. Within the first year, 
the drug use dropped by 50%. And it's continued to drop since then. It has never gone up. And I'm hearing that, like thinking about the process of creating Untapped Keg, of meeting everyone I have, and really thinking about like AA, what is it that works in AA? It's having people that understand. You get that connection at a deep level. And same thing with like you and me, with how we talk about coaching, with how we talk about all of this, like it's that connection that we feel. And so if you look that up and you find that like you can't go halfway and it can help in other ways of, of society, but you know, there's, there's a starting point where you can start to integrate some thoughts, some processes. And all of a sudden people, you know, they respond in surprising ways. So that's, I can, I can send you that Ted talk and I'll I'll try to find it and I'll post a link in, um, in the description for the episode. But like when we think about healing and rejoining and what is it that has helped us, uh, through our lives. And it is, you know, what are we yearning for? What is it when we feel lonely? What is that lonely feeling? You just feel like nobody understands you. Nobody gets it. We yearn for that connection. And that is really what we're bringing when we're listening and asking those questions to clients as coaches. Like we're creating that connection. We're, we're, really listening and not in a fake way either. Like we are actually really listening and you feel that connection. And then all of a sudden you start to believe things about yourself that you didn't know you could. Um, so that was a really long winded and talking about that, but I just wanted to, I wanted, I haven't been able to talk about that since I heard it. And I heard it, uh, probably three weeks, maybe a month ago. And it's like, it's so important. And Brene Brown talks about like the connection piece and disconnection. And when you reach across and you tell someone, I don't completely understand, but I'm here to support you. And you build that bridge of connection. That is a way that you can get through to somebody who previously you thought you were unable to get through to. Yeah. Well, there's two things I, I like about what it sounds like they did in Portugal. Is, and as much as the, I think the legality of marijuana is done for different reasons, but the one side and the, the one benefit I, I like I, about it is that it doesn't make you a criminal. For, mm-hmm. Right. Because that immediately in the person's mind, I'm a bad person for doing this, right? I'm a criminal. I'm breaking the law. I could go to jail, you know, I go to jail, I can't get jobs. Like it's, it's a really, really negative yes. hole to go down. And, and I don't think people are smoking marijuana to, you know, to, uh, to hurt someone, <laughs> right. There, there's no, there's, that, that's not the point of it. Um, but the other thing they did in Portugal is then create programs, which I think is something we lack greatly in this country, programs of support and programs of bringing that connectivity. So if, if we were to do that piece, I think we could see a lot of improvement, but we don't. And it's like, oh, well, now we have a tax revenue and we can control it so that there's not, you know, uh, there's a chain of custody and we know that it's not been tainted with fentanyl and all those yep. things are great. Um, but then some of that tax revenue should be diverted to programs that can help people. And they don't. They don't do that. At least if there are any in Colorado, I don't think anybody knows about it. <laughs> I've not yeah. heard of any, any tax dollars being deferred in that direction. Um 
but I also I have a brother who's, uh, I mean, I say he's an opiate addict, but uh, it's, it's pretty much anything goes. I mean, anything he can find and get his hands on, unfortunately. And I know this kid from the time he's born, he's much younger than me, 13 years younger. And uh, he's a great kid under there somewhere, you know? And so when you know that person and you know who they are, it's just so hard and such a shame to watch because there's nothing you can say or do that will get him to, to make that change, but he's in and out of the prison system and, and um, maybe even currently in, I'm not sure anymore. I don't, I don't follow it as closely just because I can't watch it anymore, but um, it's uh, he got into that cycle where it's, you know, you're doing this really bad drug. So therefore you're a really bad person and you know, you're in and out of the system and you know, now he can't get jobs. And it's like, you see, you see that there's almost no way out. He's like in the tumble dryer, right? <laughs> he cannot get to the door <clears throat> and he's gone and gotten sober a couple of times. And the, the most recent one, he went to this place. They, they, they took him out like a little bit away from the city and, and dried him out. And it was around the 4th of July and all of the counselors and coaches and everyone went into town, into the city for a 4th of July party. And he, you know, he quote ran away, right? He left the, he was like done with it. And it's like, what kind of rehab center is this? (laughs) And it was not cheap. I mean, these places, they're charging a small fortune and they have almost no success rate. And it's because they're doing it from, I think they're doing it from the wrong angle. They're not taking the any approach, which is you're not a bad person. It's, it's the, it's the heroin, it's the meth, it's whatever that is. That's the problem, not you. And you're still a person under there and you're still a good person. And um, we just need to get you to see it in a different way and, and make the decision for yourself. I think that that's, that's, you know, Annie's system in a nutshell is you make the decision for yourself based on knowledge and based on support. And uh, I think that's, I think that's just something that I really, really want to bring to as many people as possible. Even if it's just one, it'll be a success. So, And that's the truth. That's what, we've said since the beginning, like it's about, you have to make that decision for you. It doesn't matter what trouble you're in, where you're at. Even if you want to make it for your kids, like you can sure start there, but eventually it has to shift. Like this is for me because mm-hmm. if I don't do it for me, it's not going to stick. Yeah. If I don't do it for me, not going to be there for everybody. And then how much that ripples out to everybody who's closest to you and even people who aren't. And you, you see it in their face. Like, you know, you, that, oh, there's something different here. Like they just brought my spirits up and I don't know why. And like, when you see that, how people come alive when you're around and it's in a different way, like it's not the, oh, it's a, it's time to party. Cause RJ's here. Right. Which is kind of how it was. And I, I love that kind of an attention, but that wasn't positive attention. And it really drove me to lose myself, but like I made the decision for me and it wasn't for anybody else. And that's why it stuck. Yeah. Just like you said, like make that decision for you. Yeah. So then you come to those parties and you have no, you have no fear, no doubts about being who you are because you made that decision for yourself. Whereas I feel like if you're just doing it, you know, white knuckling it, willpowering it, doing it for your kids, you're, it's so much easier to just say, you know, F it. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just going to have one. I'm just going to do this. I'm not, it's, I'm done with this. You know, it's just too easy. But when you make that decision for yourself and you know, it's a, a decision and it's, you know, all others cut off. Um, 
it, it just makes everything easier. And yeah, you, you come more full. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. So as we're kind of starting to wrap this up, Rich, like if there's one thing that you would like for people to take away from this episode, what would that be? Oh, alcohol sucks. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's not, not necessarily not a bad, a bad thing. one. I shouldn't say alcohol sucks. Alcohol does suck, but um, better than that is being free from alcohol is absolutely awesome. And if you have that thought in the back of your head, because listen, if I know a lot of people that just really, and maybe, maybe they do and they w- would never admit it, but um, they, they think they're, you know, they have a good relationship with alcohol and some people do. I mean, my wife has, you know, a glass of wine once every couple of weeks when people are over and that's it. I mean, she has no desire for it. I think that's a fine way to to be with it. But if you're at a point where you, you feel like it's too much and you just want to stop and have no idea how, I mean, I highly recommend anything that Annie has done and just to say it, it's better on this side and, and go for it, give it a shot. And, uh, and hopefully you uh, you see what we saw. Yeah, man, it's that it's that starting point. Yeah, everybody starts first hour, right? Yeah. Um. So as we're wrapping this up, like you can stay tuned to Untap Keg to find more about how to stay in touch with Rich. Uh, he's going to have his own coaching business, and you know there'll be some more collaborations between Rich and Untap Keg and myself in the future. Um, as we go and coaching, you know, it's really about investing in yourself. And when you look at other people who are successful, everybody has coaches. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's athletes, it doesn't matter if it's business people, it doesn't matter. Like we talked about earlier, just in your job, it doesn't matter what your job is. You have somebody who coaches you Mm -hmm. and whether we call it coaching or not. And that's something to be open to and mindful about. So stay tuned to untap keg social media feeds because you will see what rich is doing in the future. And it's going to be very exciting. And, uh, I'm very excited to continue to collaborate with him and come to even more fun understandings of, you know, the, the world that we live in. Cause we don't just talk about alcohol free and stuff like that. We talk about other topics too. So, um, Thanks for joining us, Rich. I really appreciate it. And it's been an honor to have you. Thanks so much for having me. really appreciate it. That was fun. Absolutely. So let's be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least we don't make it. We tried. Have a great week, everybody. I love you. Take care.